This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Cloudy today, chance of rain and snow showers with a high near 41. Tonight, a slight chance of rain and snow showers, mostly cloudy, low around 26. Sunny on Thursday with a high near 47. A parole hearing is to be held soon for the man whose vehicle struck and killed 16-year-old Harper Stance near Binghamton's Recreation Park. Kevin Wilcox of Harpersville admitted he had been speeding in a Jeep down Beethoven Street while impaired by heroin when the vehicle hit Stance and 19-year-old Brittany Lazarenko. They had been walking on the sidewalk shortly after playing tennis on March 11 of 2019. Stance died and Lazarenko was critically injured. Wilcox was sentenced to 5 to 15 years in prison after he pleaded guilty to aggravated vehicular homicide. Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak is opposing Wilcox's bid for parole. In a video posted online, Korchak said, although it's hard to believe, Wilcox will soon be appearing before the state parole board to be considered to be released. Korchak said his office has contacted the board expressing opposition to the possible parole. He said he's encouraging others to contact the parole board to express their views. Patrick Day, 21, a junior at Cornell University who was originally from Pittsburgh, New York, was arrested yesterday on a federal criminal complaint charging him with posting threats to kill or injure another using interstate communications. The complaint alleges that Day posted threatening messages to the Cornell section of an online discussion site, including posts calling for the deaths of Jewish people and a post that said, Gonna shoot up 104 West. According to information provided by Cornell University Police and other public information, 104 West is a Cornell University dining hall that caters predominantly to kosher diets and is located next to the Cornell Jewish Center, which provides residences for Cornell students. In another post, Day allegedly made other disturbing threats to Jewish males and females. In the same post, Day threatened to bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot Jewish students. The charge filed against Day carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison, fine up to $250,000, and a term of supervised release of up to three years. A defendant's sentence is imposed by a judge based on the particular statute of the defendant is charged with violating the U.S. sentencing guideline and other factors. Day is expected to make his initial appearance today in federal court in Syracuse before a United States magistrate judge. On October 6th at approximately 11.20 a.m., New York State Police from Buffalo responded to a shooting on Interstate I-90 in the city of Buffalo. Preliminary investigation determined that a city of Buffalo sewer authority vehicle with three occupants were traveling southbound on the I-190 just south of Exit 9. A suspect vehicle, late model dark colored Jeep Grand Cherokee, was traveling southbound on the I-190. While traveling southbound, the suspect shot the victim's vehicle multiple times. This resulted in one fatality and two victims being transported to Erie County Medical Center. The New York State Police provided an update on Tuesday that the stolen 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee has been recovered and processed for potential evidence.
anti-Semitism policies at New York City colleges will be reviewed amid ongoing campus protests over the war between Israel and Hamas. Governor Kathy Hochul on Tuesday announced a third-party review of policies at the 25 campuses of the City University of New York, the nation's largest urban public university system. Hochul said the review will assess how the college system handles anti-Semitism complaints and will make recommendations on how administrators can better protect Jewish students and faculty. Political tensions over the decades-old Israeli-Palestinian conflict have long run high at uh, Sunni schools, which enroll nearly a quarter million students. He said the University of New York issued a statement saying it will cooperate with the review. The Pennsylvania House of Representatives have passed three bills seeking to expand the strength and strengthen the state's anti-hate crime statutes. The bills passed yesterday with backing from the chamber's Democratic majority and a handful of Republicans. The legislation comes amid concerns across about a spike in hate crimes around the U.S. during the ongoing Israel-Hamas war. One bill would change the state's ethic intimidation statute to a hate-based intimidation law and extend its protections. The other bills seek to bolster how law enforcement investigates hate crimes and expand online and anonymous reporting options for higher education institutions in dealing with hate crimes involving, involving students and employees. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is Bob Joseph. It's Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. You're listening to Binghamton Now. We'll open up the phone lines at 607-772-1290. If you have thoughts about mm, almost anything, I would suggest that you call. I'll call early. Avoid disappointments. Start of a brand new month. Everything is going well so far based on the first nine hours and 12 minutes. We have no reports of anything particularly bad going on around the Binghamton area so far in November. And we will continue to monitor. We'll bring you the good news, the bad news, and all the other relevant news for you. Right here on air at 92.1 FM and 12.90 AM. Of 
course, we also bring you news online at WNBF.com. And check out the website. We'll have a couple of interesting stories posted shortly. Information you probably will find nowhere else. WNBF.com. Of course, there's a lot of news going on uh, right around here at Broome and Tioga counties and across New York and Pennsylvania and around the world. And sometimes you wonder, where where do we begin? Where do we begin? Well, it's always a tough thing. I'll start here in WNBF's neighborhood here in downtown Binghamton. Um, as you probably have learned, the uh, highly publicized trial has come to an end in Broome County Court. And this is the case that's been going on for... Nearly two years. Hard to believe. Nearly two years. And finally, late Tuesday afternoon, as reported by Jim Emke, News Channel 34, a Broome County jury acquitted two businessmen who had been accused of sexually assault, uh, sexually assaulting and raping a woman. One was charged with criminal sexual abuse and rape. The other was charged with criminal sex act and unlawfully dealing with a child. So after nearly two years, it's wrapped up, at least from the criminal side third man who had initially been charged, his charges had been dropped. So this goes back to November 27th, 2021. So um, more than 23 months ago. As Jim Emke said, it's in the view of some people was surprising how quickly the verdict came back. Uh, Mr. Emke reported the jury didn't get the case till about 3 o'clock. Tuesday afternoon, and in the end, the jurors deliberated for less than two hours. The defendants were found not guilty in the case that uh, stemmed from something that was said to have happened on November 27, 2021. What happens next? We'll see. See, stay tuned. One of the um, most unusual criminal cases, if not the most unusual uh, criminal cases that I have seen in Broome County over the decades. And I've seen a lot, a lot of allegations, a lot of investigations, a lot of indictments, a lot of trials. That's just 
very unusual. It's 916 at News Radio, WNBF. So two of the men involved were partners in downtown businesses. Two of the businesses that they had an ownership interest in ultimately closed. The Colonial and Dos Rios on Court Street in downtown Binghamton. They closed. They couldn't stay open. They... After the allegations came out, as you probably remember, there were protests. There were people who wanted to boycott the businesses. And those two businesses that had been doing very well on Court Street were no longer viable. And so the allegations that were made nearly two years ago had a profound impact, not just on individuals. Think about all of the individuals involved in this case. Those who were accused, those who made accusations, their families, their friends, their associates, and the community. It's far reaching, the impact. It's hard to, it's hard to calculate, hard to appreciate the impact that the allegations had. And even now, I'm sure people still have a few questions. People will always have a few questions, even though the criminal case has now concluded. It's 918. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Let's take a phone call. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Uh, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? Vic, and I'm calling from Herkimer. All right. Good morning, Vic. Morning. Sorry about the rest, but as I got hoarse last night shouting. Hey, uh, I sent you that information that you asked for yesterday. I was wondering if you got a chance to read it about the uh, solar companies getting a thousand percent more than the uh, uh, gas companies. Yeah, I saw it. Did you include the source of that information? Uh, I don't remember seeing the source. I, it looked like you found something online and then. It was. It looked like something that it was like a cut and paste thing. Did is the source on cut, the email? I cut and pasted. It for, I cut and pasted from the United States website. Uh, so all you have to do to look at the source, Bob, is type in. Um, no, I'm saying. I'm no, I'm not going to be looking up the source. How come when you sent me something, you didn't include the source? I'm looking at it now, and it's it says proof of what I said, and then it's something that apparently was on the internet. Somewhere, by the way, you can find anything on the internet, and there's no source. Uh, it's from the United States government. What website? The I mean, if you send me something, Vic, please, please, I implore you, send the information and then also send the exact source. Normally I, I, I send the link, but you told me not to send no, the link. No, don't send the so link. No, send, know, just tell me. You told me not to, yeah. Yeah, so I don't want a link. What I want, you you can always send if it was from a specific website. Don't send the link. But say if it's from whatever agency, say this is from 
their website, be very specific, and then I can go without clicking on the link. So, you'd, again, I don't think I can make this clear enough. I won't click on a link, but if you tell me, direct me to a specific website or say the source of this information is and and the yeah, date well. and the date that it was posted because that's another thing information changes what i i find not just for I me as a jerk, for me for me 22 what date was it posted 2022 no i mean the date that's a year see oh, uh, okay. you know what what i want what i need so i'm not and by the way you know i as far as Renewable energy, that's that's not part of the, the news coverage I'm doing this week. So I I did so I did read what you sent, but I didn't spend much time thinking about it and I didn't do any further research. Anyway, so continuing, um the basic thrust is that um uh, you believe renewable energy is being subsidized too much by the federal government? Oh, I don't believe it's being subsidized too much by the federal government. I'm just making the point that uh, solar energy is costing taxpayers a thousand percent more times than natural gas and oil. Uh, But I don't see. Okay, so to that point, where does it say here that it's a thousand percent more? If you look at the article, it said, and I'm not, I don't have the article in front of me, so I could be off by two points, but it says 94% of all. energy sources go to the uh, uh, renewable source. Okay, in fiscal year 2022. That doesn't take into account all of the federal government subsidies for traditional energy, including oil, over the last 100 years. Uh, we're talking about today in today's market since the push of renewables. We're not right. talking about... No, I mean, that's renewables. renewables are the future. That's that's the thing. I mean, for the last century, I believe, the federal government has subsidized the more traditional sources of energy to the tune of billions of dollars. So, yes, as the country and the world move toward transitioning away from carbon-based fuels, of course, the I don't doubt this part. 94% of the federal renewable electricity-related subsidies in fiscal year 2022. I don't doubt it for a minute. But, again, that's to be expected. That's the wave of the future. So I appreciate the call, and we'll see what the other listeners have to say about that. It's 923 on a Wednesday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. And this segment is sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. Good morning, Karen. You're on. How are you? Yeah. Mm. What's up? Are you there? Hmm. Hmm. Physically, yes. <laughs> well, that's all that counts sometimes. 
Oh, my gosh. Uh, Can you believe Halloween is over? Gosh. I know. You know, you spend so many months preparing. You spend so many months preparing for it. And now. (sighs) And now move on. Well, we can look forward to is Thanksgiving, which actually is a lot better. Well, in my opinion, work. Well, but it's not as much fun. I like Thanksgiving. I actually do, too, because it, it is. It's just time to, you know, be thankful hang around with family and do whatever. You don't have to give gifts. You don't have to really super decorate. So, yeah, yeah. whatever. But easy going, huh? Really? Go, yeah. What you do, you go down to uh, that corner, uh, the, the corner store, buy yourself two cans, two 12 ounce cans of turkey spam and uh, two jars of uh, whatever that gravy oh yes cranberries (laughs) highly (laughs) processed cranberries and then uh, two jars of uh, that gravy that uh, has lots of salt and MSG there you go you're set Wow, I certainly hope you are not describing your Thanksgiving. No, I'm not. I will be sad. If no, you are. don't, don't worry. No, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fantastic. Anyway, in the meantime, anyway. you have uh, some important information to share. I do. We're talking about um, what your numbers are going to look like if you are on Social Security, um, also if you are on Medicare, and how to just. Be prepared for those and put them into your budget come January. And um, one of the reasons is there's a 6% rate hike next year for uh, Medicare Part B. And Medicare Part B um, covers, you know, physician care, outpatient services, medical equipment. And right now in 2023, it is $164.90 a month. That's the standard amount for Medicare Part B that normally is taken out of your Social Security before the deposit goes into the bank or the credit union. Um, and you're billed quarterly for that if you're not taking Social. So it's one sixty four ninety right now. Next year, it's going up about 6%. It's going up to one seventy four seventy. So it's not a huge rate increase. It's about a $10 rate increase. But it's still noteworthy that you need to... Uh, you know, know that that's going to be happening. So if, you know, and this is all based on your income. So if you have a higher income, then those premiums are going to be much higher than the 174.70. We have a chart that shows you, you know, just exactly how much that would be. So it could be as high as 244 a month, 349 or $454. So it all depends on how much money you make. Now, the annual deductible for all Part B enrollees is going to be $240, and that's an increase from uh, $14 from this year. This year it was 226 so it's going up to 240 Again, it's a modest increase, and it's the deductible that's associated with Part B, which are medical services. And a lot of people hearing that, it's very modest because, I mean, with employee coverage, a lot of times your deductible could be a couple thousand dollars. So this deductible is $240 coming in 200, or 200, 2024. Very modest indeed. Now, the deductible for Medicare Part A, and that's the part that covers inpatient um, 
hospital care, nursing home stays, not all, but uh, obviously, and other services. That's going up again next year as well. This year it was $1,632, and next year it's just a 2% increase. So we're looking at, um, well, excuse me, we're looking at $1,632 for next year. That was the increased amount. So where's the good news, Bob? So the good, <laughs> the good news is that with Social Security, we're going to see a COLA adjustment. And that COLA adjustment is going to be about 3.2%, and that's cost of living for 66 million Social Security beneficiaries. That will begin in 2024. What does that boil down to in dollars and cents? Well, it's going to be about uh, right around $55. And, of course, that $55 will be negated by about $10. That's going to be an increase that comes out of your Part B premium. So Social Security beneficiaries are going to see about a net income between $44 and $45 a month. And anytime you can see a raise, it's usually very helpful. The other thing that you want to, um, you know, be aware of is, and most people are that are on Medicare, is it's open enrollment. So why does that play? How does it play into your uh, budget? It plays a big part because you need to shop your Part B, Part D prescription drug coverage or your Medicare Advantage plans to see what your prescription prescription coverage is going to cost you, what your co-pays are going to be. We're seeing some very different and big numbers with these co-pays. Some are going way down and some are going way up as far as the, you know, depending on the medication that you're taking, the pharmacy you're using, and the product that you have. So it's a very, very important thing to shop and you have between October 15th and December 7th to do it. And then your product is um, available for you January 1st, 2024. If you like what you have, we also shop that for you just to make sure that it's going to be very good or adequate coverage based on the features and the benefits of the plan and your budget. Very, very important. Save money wherever you can, but we also want to make sure that you have very good coverage. We are at 1708 Vestal Parkway East. We're up around back of Plato's Closet and Style Encore. You drive right up to us. You can make an appointment several ways, simply by calling 607-772-4898. You can also Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information will come up, including our website, and you can make an appointment that way. Or if you miss the phone number, go to a phone book. We have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. All right. Well, sounds like great news for everybody. Well, you know, it's anytime you can make an adjustment in your finances to the greater for you. <laughs> that's a good. Hey, that's a good thing as, to do. Uh, all I say, as long as at at the end of the year, as long as we come out ahead compared to last year, that's all I want. I'm. Uh, what, what concerns me is so many of these outfits are apparently trying to nickel and dime us to death. And as long as we come out ahead, I don't care how it happens. As long as we come mm-hmm. out ahead, because I I just fear that a lot of a lot of people are out trying to get my money. Well, you got to pay attention too, and oh, I, know I know you pay attention. Well, that's why because, I pay attention. That's yeah, it's the only it makes it's, a big it's the only hope. It's yeah, the only I mean, we hope. had clients in the office. We don't talk about specific people or anything, 
names or anything, but they said, wow, I've been paying $28 a month for my prescription drug coverage, and now it's going to be $3.70 a month, and they have a zero copay. So, I mean, they saved over $600 a year. And just because they never shopped it before, people just roll things over. They just say, oh, it was good last year. I'll just stick with it. I don't want to change. And I understand that. But you know what? Sometimes if you're going to save a lot of money, you should change. So that's what we do. We look at what you have, see if you need to change. And if you don't, we encourage that you stay right where you are as well, because we know that that's really a security for a lot of people. Karen Sweet O'Neill, thank you as always. I hope you have a great day. I hope you do too. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. And the preceding live segment was sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. Bob Joseph with um, NBF Talk Solutions. That's what I'll call it. NBF Talk Solutions. The solutions will continue till noon. Call 607-772-1290. We're at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. News Radio Good morning, Beverly. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Um, I got a letter uh, from both G's uh, on Glenwood Avenue, and they sent me a letter about that they're they're petitioning for a new building, and uh, they uh, they want you to sign the petition. I never heard of a place asking for, you know, for 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 signing something. So what what do they want? I mean, what what are they going to do? It says here, where is it? It says, um, it says, where is it? Where's that other letter? Oh, I guess I. Wait a minute here. What are you doing? Oh, okay. This is not. Uh, they're asking for you to sign a petition uh, so they can build a new uh, a new bosses or to fix it because the that's been that was built in 1972. Right, it's over 50 years old, so it probably needs to be uh, upgraded. So yeah, why, well, but, but my question to you is, why why do they need your signature? Why don't they just go ahead and do it? I don't know about yeah. that. It says here, dear resident, the broom 
the Broom Tioke both sees invites the quality voters to to vote for a referendum regarding updating critical buildings and structure and to construct additional buildings for students and operations. This this is scheduled to be voted on on November the 29th, 2023. And it's from uh, uh, Michelle. Uh, Wait a minute. Here's the envelope. It's from uh, uh, Michelle Haynes, and she's a board clerk. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, the name sounds familiar. Uh, it says board, it says Broom, Tioga, Bosey, Sports, 435 Glenwood Avenue, Binghamton, New York. Okay. So, so they don't need, need, they don't need your signature. They just want you to vote. Oh, well, well, it says on the back that I have to sign it. You do? Put your date on, yeah. And the signature of the voter. I don't, hmm, I don't know why. Well, I'm looking at the website. It says, you're right, November 29th from noon to 8. They have three polling places, one on Glenwood Road at the Bosey's Place on Glenwood Road, another in Windsor, and one in Owego. I don't see why you would have to sign anything. I think you just have to go there and, and vote so they can go forward with their capital project. Well, it says that since I... I mail mine in, oh. you know. Oh, oh, okay. I forgot. So I that... just wonder. Oh. I just wonder, Bob, if it was legitimate. Because well, I it's, mean, uh... it's legitimate. I I had not been aware of it, but it's it's on the website on the BOCES website. It says um, they're conducting a public vote seeking approval to update critical building infrastructure and construct additional space for student programs and operations. And as you said, the main education center on Glenwood Road was built in 1972. So this is perfectly legit. But what I forgot is you personally and some other people um, vote by mail. I mean, you've got it set up so you don't have to actually vote in person. So, yes, if you want to submit your vote by mail, did they put an envelope in there to send it back? They did. Okay. So, yeah, that's legit. Well, I just thought I'd call it yeah. that, Rob. Okay, well, to, and, and... I don't want to get railroad. No, this, this is one of those things, but good to check. And at some point, I will uh, contact the people at Broom Tioga Boses, and we'll have a segment on the program and, and well, let Bob, people know that what would this be, is That would be absolutely wonderful, and... You give news. You have good advice, and I love your show. And even when I was in a hospital there last year, uh, I uh, I had the family ping over my transistor radio so I could listen to you. So, well, thank you. Well, thanks for bringing this up. Yes, this is on the up and up, and hopefully in the next few days we'll arrange to have somebody from Bosey's. Um, on the program, and they'll explain well, Bob, about that. Would this. be very nice to explain it more. And thank you for bringing it to my attention. Well, Bob, and another thing, I had, we had a problem yesterday. We wrecked our car. Is everybody okay? Well, what happened is that we 
is that we we went down the driveway with the car and and we didn't real we didn't real we didn't realize it until I got to the doctor's office that that there was something wrong with the tire and so the person that was taking me why they looked we they looked out they said they don't they didn't they didn't know how it happened and so the car is totaled oh my gosh yeah well my shoulder my left shoulder hurts but i but while i was at the doctor's office i i had him take an x-ray and he said it's bruised but he said that it's not broken all right well i'm sorry that you had to deal with that but i'm glad glad you're okay and uh, again, thank you for the information about the uh, BOCES vote that'll be coming oh, up did later. Did they take the rest of the bridge down? No, and that's a good point. Well, I mean, I I didn't get there this morning, but I was there yesterday afternoon because I was passing through the area. And I said I'm going to see how they're going, and so I did take some pictures. So, but as of I, it looked to me like it's going to take probably at least at least a few more days, maybe several more days, but they, they're they off to a decent start. Yeah, because I heard them working last night. Yeah. I just wonder if they took the, they took the bridge, started working on taking the bridge out. Yeah, they, they have started. They have started. They're doing good work. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I will say, Bob. And they try to keep the noise down as, as much as possible, which is good. And whoever the company is is doing a good job on, on the noise because it seems to be, you can hear it, but it's not loud. Yeah, I think they're doing what they can to minimize the noise generated. There's no way to take down a pedestrian bridge and do it completely right, quietly, but they're well, getting Bob, there. I thank you for your time. Thank you, Beverly. That is... Story from the town of Dickinson. Here at News Radio, where we all learn something. Even the host, even the host learns a thing or two. That's the beauty of the program. 607 772 1290. It's Wednesday morning, November 1st. You're listening to WNBF. Canadian content more often from CNBF. Wait a second. We don't need to play Canadian content. This is WNBF. Enough. Enough with the Canadian content. CNBF. Come on, man. This isn't Smith's Falls now. John in Binghamton, you're on. Jeez, I, I wonder if uh, the Massachusetts-born Buffy St. Marie... Uh, qualified <laughs> Canadian content anymore. These days, these days, you know, I, I if I did a song, I could probably qualify for Canadian content because I've been to Canada at least 10 times. So I, I guess that qualifies me. I looked at one time um, the Canadian content rules and man, it, the technicalities, it's fascinating and disturbing at the same time. I mean, I understand the whole premise you know, for the Canadian government's push to maintain some semblance of their heritage. But 
you look at all the rules and well if the person who wrote the song spends i don't know three months of the year in canada or what it's like technicalities it's like please can you imagine it someday the united states is going to do that too where radio stations will have to have 99 percent american content wait we already do well just to go national or international here uh uh, about three or four interesting stories. Uh, one was Tucker Carlson on the uh, uh, memo that was obtained uh, in a in a lawsuit that had nothing to do with the George Floyd killings. And the medical examiner, uh, it's a damning it's a damning report. I mean, the the, the medical examiner ruled that the uh, George Floyd was not killed by the actions of the officer, and with the more papers that said, uh, you know, this was a highly sensitive, career-ruining case. And Tucker gave it some spin. It lasted about eight hours. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the Canadian investigation, the CBC and all the other news channels in Canada going after uh, Buffy St. Marie and her indigenous status. Uh, and what's even more amusing is her her defense, I mean, her defense is getting more and more uh, Biden-esque, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but the, the other one is the cover story on Time magazine uh, about the Ukraine Ukraine war. Oh, I you didn't know. even see that. By the way, I'm still trying to catch up because I didn't even pay attention to the whole thing about Buffy St. Marie. I, I, oh. I missed it. And now... I'm catching up. I'm looking at the New York Times story, Boston Globe. I didn't even realize this was a thing. Uh, and an investigation by the CBC disputed a key part of her story, saying a birth certificate shows she was born to a white family in Massachusetts. I, I didn't know this is this basically breaking now. Oh, yeah, and uh, oh it's a gosh. tremendous uh, documentary. There's several of them, huh. and it gets more amusing by the day. Uh, the the Time magazine cover story. I uh, see. I and what I'm what I'm trying to. I think the pendulum here is uh, is, uh, is we're going back to journalism now, unapologetic journalism, uh, because the the Time magazine cover story on Ukraine, uh, which uh, you know everybody's stealing as fast as it can come in, uh, while you know half a million or more people are dead. Uh, you know, I mean, and and before that, which was decently covered, Seymour Hersh's uh, story on the uh, Nord Stream pipeline. But uh, all I want to, and, and I, I'm I'm just circling, as they say that that phrase. Oh, uh, circling back, and we only have yeah, like fifty I, seconds, so I apologize. Yeah. Okay, well, th- there's a big difference. If you notice, there's a big difference when a university student dies off campus versus dies on campus. A lot of information with the murder of the co-ed, a lot of information when the guy uh, fell off the balcony at the frat house. But when it occurs on campus, there's a lid. And I have requested a freedom of information request. They say the investigation is completed. I want to see it. All right. We'll see what happens. I appreciate your call. As John from Binghamton, and that is the story from Binghamton's West Side, Making Contemporary News. We've got more coming up. We'll be taking more of your phone calls. We're here for you. We serve you. I'm Bob Joseph. 9 to noon, Monday through Friday, here 
on News Radio. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Cloudy today, chance of rain and snow showers with a high near 41. Tonight, a slight chance of rain and snow showers, mostly cloudy, low around 26. Sunny on Thursday with a high near 47. A parole hearing is to be held soon for the man whose vehicle struck and killed 16-year-old Harper Stance near Binghamton's Recreation Park. Kevin Wilcox of Harpersville admitted he had been speeding in a Jeep down Beethoven Street while impaired by heroin when the vehicle hit Stance and 19-year-old Brittany Lazarenko. They had been walking on the sidewalk shortly after playing tennis on March 11 of 2019. Stance died and Lazarenko was critically injured. Wilcox was sentenced to 5 to 15 years in prison after he pleaded guilty to aggravated vehicular homicide. Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak is opposing Wilcox's bid for parole. In a video posted online, Korchak said, although it's hard to believe, Wilcox will soon be appearing before the state parole board to be considered to be released. Korchak said his office has contacted the board expressing opposition to the possible parole. He said he's encouraging others to contact the parole board to express their views. Patrick Day, 21, a junior at Cornell University who was originally from Pittsburgh, New York, was arrested yesterday on a federal criminal complaint charging him with posting threats to kill or injure another using interstate communications. The complaint alleges that Day posted threatening messages to the Cornell section of an online discussion site, including posts calling for the deaths of Jewish people and a post that said, Gonna shoot up 104 West. According to information provided by Cornell University Police and other public information, 104 West is a Cornell University dining hall that caters predominantly to kosher diets and is located next to the Cornell Jewish Center, which provides residences for Cornell students. In another post, Day allegedly made other disturbing threats to Jewish males and females. In the same post, Day threatened to bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot Jewish students. The charge filed against Day carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison, fine up to $250,000, and a term of supervised release of up to three years. A defendant's sentence is imposed by a judge based on the particular statute of the defendant is charged with violating the U.S. sentencing guideline and other factors. Day is expected to make his initial appearance today in federal court in Syracuse before a United States magistrate judge. On October 6th at approximately 11.20 a.m., New York State Police from Buffalo responded to a shooting on Interstate I-90 in the city of Buffalo. Preliminary investigation determined that a city of Buffalo sewer authority vehicle with three occupants were traveling southbound on the I-190 just south of Exit 9. A suspect vehicle, late model dark colored Jeep Grand Cherokee, was traveling southbound on the I-190. While traveling southbound, the suspect shot the victim's vehicle multiple times. This resulted in one fatality and two victims being transported to Erie County Medical Center. 
The New York State Police provided an update on Tuesday that the stolen 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee has been recovered and processed for potential evidence. Anti-Semitism policies at New York City colleges will be reviewed amid ongoing campus protests over the war between Israel and Hamas. Governor Kathy Hochul on Tuesday announced a third-party review of policies at the 25 campuses of the City University of New York, the nation's largest urban public university system. Hochul said the review will assess how the college system handles anti-Semitism complaints and will make recommendations on how administrators can better protect Jewish students and faculty. Political tensions over the decades-old Israeli-Palestinian conflict have long run high at uh, Sunni schools, which enroll nearly a quarter million students. He said the University of New York issued a statement saying it will cooperate with the review. The Pennsylvania House of Representatives have passed three bills seeking to expand the strength and strengthen the state's anti-hate crime statutes. The bills passed yesterday with backing from the chamber's Democratic majority and a handful of Republicans. The legislation comes amid concerns across about a spike in hate crimes around the U.S. during the ongoing Israel-Hamas war. One bill would change the state's ethic intimidation statute to a hate-based intimidation law and extend its protections. The other bills seek to bolster how law enforcement investigates hate crimes and expand online and anonymous reporting options for higher education institutions in dealing with hate crimes involving, involving students and employees. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And this is Binghamton Now. Coming up later this hour, we'll be taking more of your calls. If you have uh, thoughts about almost anything, you can share your thoughts right here on Binghamton Now. I'm here until noon on WNBF. First, though, we welcome into the studio Sheridan Talada and Sydney Leitner and... Uh, you, you're very happy. You're Binghamton University students, and you, you just had a, a great experience on uh, this past Friday. Well, first, welcome back to town, and congratulations. The cross-country team did quite, quite well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us today. Yep, thank you for having us. Yeah, so, um, and, and for people who haven't pe- been paying uh, close attention, I know some of our listeners are familiar with uh, what happened, but... Um, just give our listeners here on WNBF a little overview of what happened just a few days ago and, and why this is so special for, for you and, and for your Binghamton University teammates. Um, well, our women's cross-country team won our first America East title in school history. It was a super exciting day. I don't think any of us were expecting it, so it was just an awesome day and an awesome experience for our team. Yeah, it really meant so much to us. Again, I don't think any of us were expecting it. So to place 
first for the first time ever under great leadership, under a great coach. It just meant so much to everybody in the program. Well, I think it, it was just great to see that outcome. And uh, David O'Brien posted uh, some remarkable video of the welcome that uh, you and your teammates received when you returned to the campus in Vestal. That was a thing of beauty. I've watched that video a few times and just brought a smile to my face. Yeah, it was really so special. I mean, all of our friends were there, and I don't know about you, Sheridan, but I had no idea they were going to be there. Yep, I don't think any of us had any idea. It was such a shock when we pulled in. It was like 11.30 at night when we got back, so we were just expecting to go home. But to be welcomed by that was super special. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your background, Sheridan. First, a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and what brought you to Binghamton University. Um, well, I'm actually semi-local. I grew up in Waverly, New York, so I grew up only about, you know, 35 minutes from here. Um, I came to Binghamton because I knew the cross-country team was great. I knew the academics were great, and I just loved the team when I got to meet them, and I'm so happy that I chose Binghamton. Tell me a little bit about your studies. Um, as an undergrad, I studied chemistry as my major. Right now, I'm in my first semester of grad school. Um, I'm majoring in chemistry adolescence education with hopes to become a high school chemistry teacher. Excellent. Sydney, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're not quite as local. No, I'm not, definitely. I'm about three hours south of here. I'm from Westchester, New York. Shout out Yorktown. Um, I'm a sophomore currently pursuing a physician's assistant degree postgraduate, but for undergraduate, still figuring it out. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with Sheridan. I I chose the school largely because of just the team chemistry. Sheridan was the one who actually showed me around when I came to visit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a great school with great ac- athletic programs, great academic programs, and I'm just happy to be a part of it, happy to be a part of the team. And that's one of the things that has, I think, made the community proud of Binghamton University is that there is an emphasis on the education part of it. It's not strictly sports, but there's a balance. There's a balance where the student athletes are able to excel at what they do in their uh, sport of choice, but they also, in so many cases, excel at what they do in terms of their studies at Binghamton. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at most of our team, most of us have pretty pretty tough majors, but we all make it work, and we all do, I think, pretty well in both our academics and athletics. So tell me about last Friday. Tell me a, a little bit, because there's no way that we can recreate what it was, was like a few days ago here in a radio studio, but just share a little bit with our listeners of, of what the experience was like for you and the other members of the team, it, because you went up to Orono, Maine. It was definitely a long trip, and we weren't sure, given the situation in Maine, um, whether or not the meet was going to be postponed or canceled, so it was definitely a difficult situation. So we had our hopes kind of, we had our hopes high, but we weren't sure what the outcome was going to be. I think we all definitely raised our hardest. So we all crossed the line and were exhausted and exhilarated. Um, and when the final result came in, we, we didn't believe it. Yeah, it was just a surreal experience. I remember crossing the finish line and I was talking to our teammate Sophie and both of us were, you know, we were, we were tired. We were like, oh, I think the team did okay. We weren't really sure. But then the guys team came running over to us and they started hugging us and cheering and we were like, 
what's going on? And they're like, you won. And we didn't believe them at first. No. But but then the results came in, and there was about 10 minutes where we weren't 100% sure if we won. So we were trying not to get too excited. But the coach was like, don't don't celebrate just yet. Not yet. Not yet. And we're like, but we, we won. We, we think we won. Yeah. And you did make you know, a reference to what had, had just happened, unfortunately, in Lewiston, the terrible tragedy. And so many because i know people who live in maine not far from where that happened and it's just i mean anytime that there's uh, a loss of life life and uh, tragedy um on one hand you want to certainly communicate that you are understanding of of what happened but there's also a component where life does go on and in so many cases we can't stop every Thing, and especially because obviously Orono was was outside the the main area, I think of interest where you know where where those sad events were unfolding. But certainly, of course, that that was one of the things, and I'm sure that was being discussed um, by teammates and by others who were were in Orono at at the time last Friday, as as the state and the nation were trying to come to terms with what happened. We're just grateful University of Maine was able to host. They did a fantastic job. And, again, our hearts, not just ours, but the whole program goes out to those afflicted. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's one of those things where, you know, we we never lose sight of when, when we lose people, even fellow citizens, people we never met. You know, we, we certainly appreciate that those losses are, are significant. And we, we certainly um, express our, our condolences to them. As far as... Um, the actual um, activities, and I, I see so four of the Bearcat runners placed among the top 20 finishers, and I, I just think that's a, a remarkable outcome for for the Binghamton team. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I mean, when I crossed the finish line, I was looking at the results on the board, and I saw that our freshman Bryn got 13th, which is all-conference, so immediately then I knew that, oh, we must have done okay if she got 13th. And then, you know, obviously Sydney and Sophie were in the top 10, which was just fantastic. And Jen also had a great day and finishing in the top 20. So it was just a really special day. So what got you interested in running to begin with? I'll ask each of you. I mean, was this something that that uh, was an interest when you were very young or did it just happen in fairly recent years? Um, well, I started running in seventh grade because I wanted to do a fall sport, but I didn't like soccer anymore. So my grandma started taking me to the track every day over the summer. And immediately, once I started running cross country, I just fell in love with it. And by the next year, I was a three-season runner. And here we are now, still running. <laughs> Mine's got less of a story and more of a joke to it. My mother actually signed me up for indoor track one season, and I thought she was kidding because at the time I couldn't do anything other than maybe put one foot in front of the other um, so I didn't do any other sports and eventually she was like well you have practice today and I was like I have what? <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of that season unfortunately COVID hit um, and I had made a couple friends on the team that allowed me to train with them and they were more long distance so I started doing long distance and then when my junior year came around I signed on to be on the cross country team and I, I reached and I just started running and fell in love with it and was like I want to do this in college so strikes me to be successful 
and it, obviously you know this and our listeners probably appreciate it too, but it doesn't, it's not just simple. I mean, you have to have some raw talent, but also you have to work hard and it has to be something that's done consistently if you're going to really excel. Consistency is key. Yep, yeah, I think our team has really, really put an emphasis on the consistency in the last, like, few months. Um, we've really just been nailing our workouts. We've been, you know, getting all our miles in, and I think it really paid off for us. So what's next? We have regionals in about 10 days or so. We'll be going down to Van Cortlandt Park in Yonkers for a regional meet. Um, and then from there, maybe some of us will have a shot at nationals down in Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. So you can't let up. I mean, if <laughs> you, you celebrate what happened Friday, but you're still moving forward and, and looking forward to, with, I'm sure, anxious anticipation for what might be ahead. Yep, yeah, we're right back to work this week. Um, we're taking a couple days easy this week to just recover from the meet. Um, but this Friday, we're right back to doing workouts, and next week, we're right back at it. It's exciting. It is exciting, absolutely. Yep. And I'm happy for you. I'm happy for the team. It's nice to have something to celebrate, some good news with the uh, women's cross-country team at Binghamton University. I wish you continued success. Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. And the thing is, I, I know it's interesting. In addition to doing a radio interview, you still have classes. You, you, can't, you can't just say, oh, well, we'll rest and we don't have to worry about anything. We'll look ahead for 10 days. But in the meantime, we'll just do radio interviews and, and have donuts over in Endicott. It's not quite that simple. You, you are very, very busy. Although we wish we could. We yeah, wish we, we could. do. <laughs> well, I, your um, enthusiasm is I think contagious. Thank you very much for being with us today. I know you're going to have a busy day ahead, so <laughs> thanks for popping in here to WNBF. Yep, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for making the time. Sheridan Talata and Sydney Leitner live here on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 12:90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Coming up, we'll be taking some phone calls. If you have thoughts about local or national issues or global issues, you can call us at 607-772-1290. You're listening to Binghamton now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. WNBF with Bob Joseph on a Wednesday morning. Dave and Vessel, good morning. You're on the air. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Excellent. Good, good. 
Hey, Bob, you know, speaking of uh, SUNY Binghamton and uh, referring to, to what John was talking about there, uh, a, a sophomore girl from the Albany area jumps 15 floors to her death and we can't hear about it. Why is that? That's a, an administration decision, but it's not it's not unusual. It's not unusual. Um and I would say that's pretty standard procedure, whether it's universities, colleges, universities, um, public schools, private schools. I, uh, I'm, I'm not aware of, of any educational organization that releases very much information uh, following um, an incident like that. Oh, it's a darn shame, Bob. But, you know, we, we have a right to know. Like you always say, public has a right to know what goes on in their um, community. And well, I agree. I'm I'm a reporter, but you know they can. You can only get what they what they give you. So if I mean they they ulti- ultimately they make the decisions. They make the decisions, and it's it's not true. I mean, it's not true of of just Binghamton University or SUNY Broome, but Binghamton City School District. Um, well, for that matter, Cornell or Ithaca or Syracuse, any educational institution chooses what limited information to release. And usually they opt on the side of releasing very little information. Part of it is related to um, privacy issues, especially because of the ages of of the people typically involved. I don't, I don't know under federal and maybe some state laws how much information some educational institutions legally are able to release yeah well it is it is a very sad thing and family considerations have to be made too i mean well that's another thing that's you know to in terms of what a university releases in terms of how for example, how I go about reporting something like that—it it was not it was not my plan on, on Monday morning to be on the campus in Vestal, but that's that's where I wound up before I came here for the for the talk program. But I, I have worked to use discretion as far as covering what is a, a terrible situation. It's a tragedy. Yeah, it really is. Well. Well, Bob, and and ultimately, let's face it the the reality is, after a tragedy of this magnitude, what we really should focus on, primarily looking forward, is trying to make sure that people who need help are able to get it, who know that that people who are experiencing a difficult situation can get assistance no matter what time of day or night and and that people can learn that even even in the most difficult of times people are going to be available to support them good point bob very important uh yeah people need to know that they can count on somebody no matter what absolutely Have a good one, Bob. Thank you, Dave. It's 1029 at WNBF and WNBF.com. Bob Joseph serving the community. Yes, we 
do our best at good times and bad. I say WNBF really consists of an extended family. So many of our listeners have been with us for so long. Some have been listening for many decades. Perhaps the most loyal radio audience or radio family around. And we thank you. Thank you for staying with us. It's 10.30. This is WNBF Binghamton, 607-772-1290. Wednesday morning, Binghamton Now, WNBF. Binghamton now at 10.33 on a Wednesday morning. Gary from Binghamton's West Side, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. It's a very uh, tough thing that happened in Dressel where one, I mean, in the news story, in a person's son, right from the beginning, uh, you know, it stated if you have mental health issues, and now they give a phone number where you can call right before you read the article. So anybody who's, a tr- you know, drawn to that, you know, we'll know that there is help out there. It's a very, suicide was is still not quite as much a stigma. It's just a, uh, it's, at least now we're talking about it. You know, these days we do talk about it. I have my own personal experiences with suicide. And I'll tell you what, Bob, you know, it's, it's a, it's a gut punch. And also what's, um, Very difficult is the uh, the guilt. It's just, uh, you know, this is 15 years ago, and you know, it still uh, affects me pretty much. But I thought I could get through this. But the, the the guilt part throughout the family and friends, you know, people like whoever the associates are of this uh, of this poor girl, you know, they're going to have guilt that they're going to have to deal with, you know, friends, uh, just students, the parents, relatives, they're all going to think that they could have done something. And, you know, what can you do, Bob? Mental illness is something that we don't understand 100%. We just don't understand why, why people take their lives, what that point is where they just go into this darkness. Thank goodness these days, though, they have things where you can go. And uh, when I was dealing with my suicide, I had to go down to Scranton. I, I don't even think there was anything here in this area, Bob, where you could go and just go to a discussion and talk about it. And talking about it, it, it lets you free some things up inside. So it's very, it's uh, it's comforting, you know, to just talk about suicide. And uh, it's a uh, it's a sad thing for that family, you know. That's they probably the news, you know, they're cutting down on giving you the details because I mean, why does that have to be known to people, right? That's a family. The well, family I, know about that, right? No, I I've had many conversations over um, the last forty eight hours, and they're all tough conversations, but they're important conversations. And as you have uh, expressed, it's 
difficult because every time that something like this comes up, I would say most people have had personal experiences um, one way or the other and or, or involving whether it's friends, loved ones, or people people we interacted with and yes there's guilt and sadness and anger and a multitude of other feelings it's it's one of those things that uh it'll never go away after we lose someone and yet we we try to to look forward. We when we also try, I think, in in all cases, to uh, cherish the memories we had with with people, um, and and know that even when we lose someone too soon, especially to this cause, that it still can't take away our memories of them, of who they were, and of of what they contributed to our lives and and to this world. That, that's all we have with anything, Bob. Like, you know, when we lose people that are deal, uh, dear to us, even without suicide, all we have are when that person or animal, whatever it is, was alive, you gave it the best possible life that you could. And, you know, that's what you have to look at, that there was joy or there was some type of happiness in that person's life. And, and that's all we really have. You're right. Is is the good memories, you know, and uh, you know that's just uh, something that I think about when when you lose someone dear to you or an animal even, and you know, hey, you gave it the best life, or you've tried to give that person a very good life, and uh, that's all we really have, I guess, Bob. But thank goodness that we are talking about it. I mean, go back to the '60s, Bob. You know, you mentioned suicide and. You know, people would shut you down. You know, they just didn't want to talk about it. You know, it was not an open discussion. So. Well, same with, to a, a large extent, people who die because of um, drug overdoses or or other issues that are yeah. are, are sensitive. Now, what we, we have seen, I would say, especially over the last five years, is more people are openly addressing the, the fact that, whether it's substance substance abuse or mental health issues, and sometimes it's a combination, it's it's um, it's not necessary to conceal the truth. In in my opinion, now I understand and I, I do respect those who choose to um, not really acknowledge certain uh, situations and and. Uh, certain details surrounding the death of a loved one and they don't want to acknowledge it publicly but I also admire the courage of people who are willing to talk about it and whether it's a loss of a loved one due to suicide or due to um, a drug overdose or alcohol related issues I really think that it's performing a, a valuable service in terms of educate, educating uh, people that they're not alone in dealing with problems. I'm, I'm unaware of any family 
or any organization that isn't touched by these things. Mm -hmm. And if we can talk, and as difficult as it is to have a conversation like this on the radio or in public or even with your friends and family, it still does serve an appropriate function. And it's not, I'm not saying that So we'll spend the rest of today's program talking about it. We won't. We'll talk about other things, too. But we won't ignore what happened on Monday, and we won't ignore the people still. I mean, even every day, you don't hear about it much anymore, but every day, probably since we came on the air 90 minutes ago here in Broome County, at least one person has had a drug overdose. Maybe they haven't died in fact, the way things are going, I wouldn't be surprised that there have been two or three people who've overdosed and in many cases, maybe all cases, been saved by naloxone. Fortunately, there's naloxone, Narcan, that is reducing the number of opioid deaths, but still, people die. And people die um, due to suicide, too. In most of those cases, I would say close to 99% of the cases go unacknowledged. But when something happens as the tragedy that occurred in Vestal on Monday, when it happens in a public place, it has to be acknowledged. You at least have to provide some factual information. Otherwise, especially in this era of social media, Otherwise, all sorts of false information will begin to circulate and then rumors. So it's important, it's important for authorities to at least try to release basic information without going overboard to reassure people, as the university did on Monday, that there was no threat to the campus or to the community at large. Yeah, Bob, when I was going to the to those uh, counselings down in Scranton, so you, this is not the first student that has ever done this. It's just like I, I, I was totally shocked in the hearing stories and and stuff. And it's everyday life, all different types of people to all different kinds. And you know, it's, right, it's, it should be talked about and uh, reported so that there is no misinformation. But. That's all I got today, Bob. I just hope everybody has a better day today and love the ones that you love. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Gary. It's 1043. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Wednesday morning. This is WNBF. Joseph Binghamton now at 1047, 13 before the hour. Airport Road Bob in the town of Maine. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. What's happening? Well, this morning is pretty quiet. Well, listen, I'm going to do a public service announcement for the uh, residents of the town of Union and the town of Maine. 
There's a very huge meeting tonight at the Town of Union um, board meeting. Um, it's at 7 o'clock. Any residents that live along the uh, East Main Road corridor, the Airport Road corridor, Lower Stella Road, anybody that would be um, affected by this 300-acre purchase that the IDA is uh, promoting for an industrial park should uh, show up tonight and find out what's really happening. The IDA and Ms. Duncan are supposed to be there to make a presentation. Um, there are lots of questions that hopefully she will take questions and answer tonight. Um, this project is basically a political fairy tale right now, according to the local news. You know, I've been following this for a year now, and uh, there's been no transparency. Um, the biggest question now is the, there is a purchase agreement that's supposed to be finalized on November 6th, um, but there is now some conflict with the IDA board because they did not know all of the facts before they voted on this purchase. Um, there are all kinds of environmental issues that have not been addressed. Um, I'm hoping Stacy will be there tonight to answer questions like how they they um, applied for money from the fast track program when they did not meet the qualifications for the grant program. Um, trying to understand why um, people haven't reached out. There has been no reviews, no um, highway reviews, nothing to date. And basically, um, if anybody has any questions, they could watch the public meeting of the IDA on the Broome County IDA website of the October meeting where they voted on this project and they can see how messed up this whole thing has been since the very beginning. Uh, former Mayor Bucci has some harsh words during the meeting on that public video. Um, can also be watched on Facebook on the IDA's web pa uh, Facebook page, which is the agency. Um, they've spent um, almost a half a million dollars on this project in the last year and haven't followed any of the rules of law to this point. Um, I've tried to get you involved. I know you, you ask questions, you follow it. I know Mr. John from Binghamton has been following this. Um, I'm hoping he hears this and he's at the meeting again tonight. Um, so many, so many problems and questions on this uh this project that need to be addressed that have not even been answered. Um, again, just trying to keep everybody updated. Very important meeting tonight. If you're a resident in Town of Union, Town of Maine, it is 7 o'clock on uh, East Main Street in uh, Town of Union. Um, I would recommend that they come and they, they hear everything that's going on in their town if they don't want this project to go through. All right. Well, thanks for the update. If um you feel so uh, moved, I would uh, encourage you to call in tomorrow with uh, your thoughts about how tonight's meeting went. Oh, I'll be glad to update you. In fact, um, Mr. Augustini from the Broome County Legislature, I understand, is going to be at that meeting as a as a listener to find out what's going on. Well, who knows? Maybe he'll call in. I just uh, ran into him a few days ago, and we had a good okay. chat. So. I, I don't know that he listens to the program. He might listen occasionally to see what people are saying. But if um, 
if he wants to call in, I'm I'm sure I'm sure he might have a thought or two. I'm just trying to educate everybody out there as to what's actually going on. Here. Hey, that's what we're about, um, man. This is the information yeah. station. And it's listen, if you have any kind of relationship for more former Mayor Bucci, um, you should give reach out to him. He has some very interesting um comments about this project and i believe i told you about that video to watch i don't know if you did watch it um no it's, it's on, on my list I, I have about a hundred things i need to watch and research but it's i will okay. I, I will i will eventually hopefully soon actually watch that but I, I i haven't gotten to it yet so i will i i think you'll be amused i mean i think you'll uh <laughs> you'll understand where i don't know if i'll be amused I, I don't think i'll be surprised because you've You've prepared me for what what transpired during that meeting, so I I think I have a pretty good sense of. But I, I will watch it. Okay, I'll keep you in the loop, Bob. Thank you. It's ten fifty three. WNBF keeping America in the loop. Three hours every day with Binghamton now. This is News Radio twelve ninety AM WNBF Binghamton now on ninety two point one FM W two two one EJ Binghamton, a Town Square Media Station. WNBF Live, local, and getting the job done. We have a job, and we know how to do it. But Binghamton now, remember, this is on, this is not a test program. I am not auditioning to see if I uh, can get the job. I have the job, and I will continue to do this to uh, keep you fully apprised of what's going on around these parts. Speaking of what's going on, let's take a glance at the weather. Mostly cloudy today, a chance of snow showers this morning, then some rain and snow showers later in the day, high 40. Cloudy tonight, a slight chance of snow showers, low 26. Sunny tomorrow, high 47. Mostly sunny Friday, high 54. Right now, in downtown Binghamton, it's 37. That's 3 Celsius at News Radio. WNBF. WNBF.com. Air quality still good. It's been a good air week. A great week for breathing. For those who enjoy breathing, it's been uh, pristine air. Well, some contaminants. Yes, there are some contaminants. Ozone. Ozone is the primary concern, but uh, air quality index here in Binghamton at the moment, 33. Earlier in the week, I think it was Monday, it was as low as 9. Still not convinced it was really 9. Remember five months ago, the first week of June, when it was about, I don't even know what it topped out at around here, 400, 450, oof. 
didn't look good. By the way, a few locations around the Twin Tiers today could see a dusting of snow from snow showers, potentially resulting in a few slick spots, especially uh, during the morning. So if you're out driving, watch out for slick spots. It's 11 o'clock. Bob Joseph on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Cloudy today, chance of rain and snow showers with a high near 41. Tonight, a slight chance of rain and snow showers, mostly cloudy, low around 26. Sunny on Thursday with a high near 47. A parole hearing is to be held soon for the man whose vehicle struck and killed 16-year-old Harper Stance near Binghamton's Recreation Park. Kevin Wilcox of Harpersville admitted he had been speeding in a Jeep down Beethoven Street while impaired by heroin when the vehicle hit Stance and 19-year-old Brittany Lazarenko. They had been walking on the sidewalk shortly after playing tennis on March 11 of 2019. Stance died and Lazarenko was critically injured. Wilcox was sentenced to 5 to 15 years in prison after he pleaded guilty to aggravated vehicular homicide. Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak is opposing Wilcox's bid for parole. In a video posted online, Korchak said, although it's hard to believe, Wilcox will soon be appearing before the state parole board to be considered to be released. Korchak said his office has contacted the board expressing opposition to the possible parole. He said he's encouraging others to contact the parole board to express their views. Patrick Day, 21, a junior at Cornell University who was originally from Pittsburgh, New York, was arrested yesterday on a federal criminal complaint charging him with posting threats to kill or injure another using interstate communications. The complaint alleges that Day posted threatening messages to the Cornell section of an online discussion site, including posts calling for the deaths of Jewish people and a post that said, Gonna shoot up 104 West. According to information provided by Cornell University Police and other public information, 104 West is a Cornell University dining hall that caters predominantly to kosher diets and is located next to the Cornell Jewish Center, which provides residences for Cornell students. In another post, Day allegedly made other disturbing threats to Jewish males and females. In the same post, Day threatened to bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot Jewish students. The charge filed against Day carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison, fine up to $250,000, and a term of supervised release of up to three years. A defendant's sentence is imposed by a judge based on the particular statute of the defendant is charged with violating the U.S. sentencing guideline and other factors. Day is expected to make his initial appearance today in federal court in Syracuse before a United States magistrate judge. On October 6th at approximately 11.20 a.m., New York State Police from Buffalo responded to a shooting on Interstate I-90 in the city of Buffalo. Preliminary investigation determined that a city of Buffalo sewer authority vehicle with three occupants were traveling southbound on the I-190 just south of Exit 9. A suspect vehicle, late model dark-colored Jeep Grand Cherokee, was traveling southbound on the I-190. While traveling southbound, the suspect shot the victim's vehicle multiple times. This resulted in one fatality and two victims being transported to Erie County Medical Center. 
The New York State Police provided an update on Tuesday that the stolen 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee has been recovered and processed for potential evidence. Anti-Semitism policies at New York City colleges will be reviewed amid ongoing campus protests over the war between Israel and Hamas. Governor Kathy Hochul on Tuesday announced a third-party review of policies at the 25 campuses of the City University of New York, the nation's largest urban public university system. Hochul said the review will assess how the college system handles anti-Semitism complaints and will make recommendations on how administrators can better protect Jewish students and faculty. Political tensions over the decades-old Israeli-Palestinian conflict have long run high at uh, Sunni schools, which enroll nearly a quarter million students. The City University of New York issued a statement saying it will cooperate with the review. The Pennsylvania House of Representatives have passed three bills seeking to expand the strength and strengthen the state's anti-hate crime statutes. The bills passed yesterday with backing from the chamber's Democratic majority and a handful of Republicans. The legislation comes amid concerns across about a spike in hate crimes around the U.S. during the ongoing Israel-Hamas war. One bill would change the state's ethic intimidation statute to a hate-based intimidation law and extend its protections. The other bills seek to bolster how law enforcement investigates hate crimes and expand online and anonymous reporting options for higher education institutions in dealing with hate crimes involving, involving students and employees. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. That's the Binghamton Now hotline. Call that number and you can speak with me, Bob Joseph. the good times roll okay <laughs> 49 minutes left of good times rolling on good time radio wnbf all are welcome to participate hope your day is off to a positively wonderful start seems positively wonderful from my vantage point here in a glass steel and concrete enclosed uh, bunker and um, actually, I did take a, a quick run out to um, Mr. Joseph's neighborhood to uh, enjoy the rarefied air. It's, uh, it's actually, it is quite pleasant. It's refreshing. It's invigorating. 
Uh, it's not going to be confused for the summer weather we had about a week ago, but but it definitely is, um, I guess it gives you energy. That's what it does. It gives you energy when the temperature is below 40. When the temperature goes below zero, I don't think it gives you quite as much energy. But right now, with sunny skies and the temperature 37, that's 3 Celsius, yeah, there's a lot of energy in the air. Let's take a phone call. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, this is uh, Vinny from Binghamton. I uh, I wanted to talk about because and the only reason why I'm calling is I just heard that commercial and they were talking about the news news um, at the at the top of the hour, and they were talking about that shooting that went on in uh, Maine, and um, it's it's so interesting because it almost seems like this is the same old stuff, and this is I don't care what it, what happens they will throw cops under the bus as quick as possible when it comes to shootings. And I think a lot of that has to do with certain groups. A main group doesn't want to talk about guns. Now, I was listening on a, a program that um, I listened to, and um, they had a, a guy who lives in Maine. He's lived in Maine. He's worked on gun control for, for quite a long time. And he was talking about, he's a, you, yeah, there's guns all over the place in Maine. But he was, And he used the term field and stream. He goes, the gun owners in Maine are like the field and stream. You know, they, they're, they're hunters. You know, they like, like to go out and, you know, shoot a deer, gut it, you know, come back, make some, you know, some food out of it. I mean, they use it. They, they're, they're, they're pure hunting. They're not just craziness. But what the problem was in Maine is they don't have any of the red flag laws. If they had the red flag laws, when the cops were originally called i think it was the sister or brother or relatives when they were originally called they could have got taken those guns right then right then they could have taken it but they couldn't there's nothing they could do they got these yellow flag laws and one of the congressmen well one of the, the local uh, the, at the state level democrat he voted against it and he went out and apologized he said i made a bad mistake you know that law protects the this is this is the craziness that law protects good gun owners. That's what it does because you're going to get a crazy. He said this guy, people in that town knew about this. He said, look, just stay away from this guy. He's, he's crazy. They know about this guy, but their laws forbid cops to go in and grab them guns. They can't do it. You have tied law enforcement's hands. And it's a, it's it's really really interesting. I'm like, well, there we go. And then you you just heard that news at the top of the hour. Oh, you know, I wouldn't. They were too slow in coming, and oh, it took them to just blaming law enforcement. Whereas if you guys had put red flag laws like everybody else, this probably would have at least at least stopped most of it. But no, they don't. They, they call them yellow flag laws they have in Maine. If they had the red flag, the first time those cops and law enforcement were called, they could have taken them off. Because this guy, you know, he went to the psychic center, and, and uh, look what happened. They said, no, this guy, this guy's messed up. Boom, them guns are gone. To protect the people, to protect the area. And that's what they don't talk about. And I'm listening to the news, I'm like, well, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So no, no surprises, no surprises. I mean, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I'm 
I'm disappointed to hear that um, some in law enforcement are suggesting that the um, ability to communicate uh, in a timely fashion was uh, was lacking in the state of Maine regarding this person. And it, it doesn't, I guess I'm not shocked because I hear about situations like that even around here at times. It's not... It's not consistent, but in some cases where someone, say a person of interest, not necessarily a high-profile person, but say one agency knows there's a person of interest regarding some sort of case. Could be an investigation going on here. Could be an NYPD investigation. Could be somebody who is linked to something out of state or whatever. And some agencies know about it. And some local agencies don't. And the problem is, you know, one even even with our ever growing network of license plate readers, people can yeah. slide in and slide out, sometimes going undetected or undetected till it's too late. I mean, plate readers plate readers can be good in real time if if say the law enforcement agencies know that say a person of interest in something is driving a specific ble- uh, a vehicle. So if they punch in the, a plate number, you know, New Jersey registration, I'm wanted or whatever, then the, yeah. you know, if, if uh, that vehicle goes past uh, a plate reader in Binghamton or Endicott or up at the sheriff's office or at the BU campus, well, that'll, that'll trigger a little alarm and then the dispatcher will say, uh, Units, why don't you uh, head over that way because uh, vehicle wanted in some case in New Jersey just passed the plate reader a minute ago. And, and sometimes it works, but sometimes they don't even have the basic information. So it's, uh, it, it, exactly. it's one, of those, it, one of those things, uh, I mean, whether what happened with the, the person in the state of Maine, I mean, for the last several months, as uh, we're coming to find out, um, more than a few people knew he had problems. Exactly. And here, Bob, here's another thing. What's the new thing um, everybody likes to talk about now? And I and I always say you got to be very careful um, about using this as a scapegoat all the time. Mental health. Well, here's a perfect example. This was mental health, and we knew about it. And what happened? Yeah. Well, I don't know what the answer yeah. is. I, um, unfortunately... I know it's a thing. Or, I, well, I know a thing or two about this country, having lived here for a while. Mm-hmm. I just don't see, given what we know right now about mental health, about the love Americans have for our guns, and also just just inherent problems that we have as a society. I don't know that it's fixable. I don't. Well, I, I don't see. I'm serious. I don't know uh-huh. that there's any realistic way, at the moment, to reduce mass shootings because there's no political will. And when I say no political will, I'm talking about in Congress, and no political will, in most cases at the state level, to do much of anything regarding accessibility of guns. 
And then when it comes to assessing mental health, that's that's a very difficult thing, too. Just because someone uh, three months ago or three years ago or 15 years ago made some very serious threats and sounded as though he posed uh, a big risk to himself and to others, it doesn't mean that today that person isn't well and can't be entrusted with a gun. You know, someone with an AR-15-style weapon... Mm-hmm. If he or she is okay mentally, they don't really represent a threat. But it's well, it, well. No, no, I, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, I, that, and that's, that's, that's the thing. So correct, you know, but 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 say but if if a hundred people walk down Court Street, the next one hundred people, all armed with those types of weapons, I don't think I'd have to worry about probably ninety-five of them. But maybe maybe five I would have to worry about because they have some issues. But how how do you find out how how do you possibly control for the ninety five percent or higher who are law abiding citizens and are uh-huh. mentally healthy and think they should have access? And that's another thing. There are a lot of people who think they should have access to those well, weapons. Bob- Bob, I think it's like smoking and drinking. There are so many things we've got out there to stop people from smoking and stop people from abusing uh, 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 drinking. But we still got that. And that was at the top of the hour, too. They talked about that the, the, uh, gentleman from uh, um, uh, Harpersville killing her. Uh, he was, he, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, that wasn't. That wasn't alcohol. I'm sorry. But I mean, I that think was you know heroin. I mean. That, that yeah. guy admitted he was impaired by heroin when his Jeep raced down. Beethoven yeah. Street in March yeah. 2019 and mowed down two teenagers. Right. And so uh, I guess what I'm saying is we're, we're not, it's not going to be perfect. But I just believe, I mean, this man was a gun instructor. People in the town knew this guy. And he went to mental health and they said, no, this guy is, is messed up. He's got some mental health issues. And all these guns, when the cops, when the sheriff's department, when they all went out at that time, if, if they had red flag laws, they could have got all those guns. That's their well. Door. They could Boom. have tried. They could have well, tried. They probably would have missed one, didn't they? Didn't the sheriff's department do a, a welfare check? Stop by the guy's house twice. Like one day he wasn't there, so they came back the next day and he wasn't there. And then seems seems after that point, it seems like it was just basically. Um, I well, I, I hope it wasn't just basically dropped. It feels like it was basically dropped after they gave gave it a couple couple tries to see if we could find out. You know, send a deputy or someone over to the guy's house to see if if mm-hmm. he's okay. I, I just think that it was one of those things where they oh, you know, that stuff doesn't happen in Maine. There might have been a lot of that too, but there was no law there for them to go in there and take him. Yeah. I don't know. There was no law. I, yeah, I think, but even even if there was, I I don't. I don't know. Now, that's another thing. In New York State, with the law changes that have been enacted, how much information does New York State release about that law? Oh, I, I mean, some, yeah. but not a lot. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and maybe, and I know public service announcements are not ultimately the solution for much of anything, but public service announcements on radio and TV and online couldn't hurt to uh, help promote some of these programs that are designed to try 
to keep deadly weapons out of the hands of people who are not well at the moment. But, you know, the, the state state has been spending money on announcements, and I think appropriately so, to encourage people, um, like for fentanyl test strips. You know, if, if you're using uh-huh. drugs, and I know still some people find it distasteful that the state is running commercials like this, trying to save lives. If you're going to be using yeah. drugs, you can't tell if the drugs you're about to use may contain fentanyl. So right. get fentanyl test strips to check your drugs before you use illegal drugs. And some people think that's condoning the use of illicit drugs, when in fact it's not. It's it's an attempt by the state to save lives. Well, the state could also, if it wished, do something more to educate people about, about laws that are designed to keep dangerous weapons out of the hands of, of people who should not have them at a, at a particular point in time. But has the state run any commercials advocating yeah. people to, to learn more about that? No, not to my knowledge. You know, if, right. I, I mean, it's at some point, here, here's the thing, at some point New York uh-huh. State will, but it's going to take, I predict it would take another tragedy in New York State before yep. Governor Hochul and members of the legislature figuratively get off their butts and do something about it. Talk is cheap. Everybody, right. I mean, right. look, I know talk is cheap. I talk for a living. People say I talk too much and they're right. But yeah. the, the state, well, the state, in my opinion, could do more. But so far, mm-hmm. they they haven't they haven't felt the need. Just like this week, the spotlight is on some of the uh, incidents that are happening at campuses around New York State. So that is a big issue, an important issue at the moment for Governor Hochul and for it, her administration. And that's great. And and they are, uh, I believe she has indicated, allocating more money to deal with uh, the issues that have been happening with threats and other ongoing Issues, whether it's at state university campuses or even at campuses of, of private institutions. So mm-hmm. when when something rises to the level, an appropriate level of seriousness in the headlines, that's that's what encourages governors to start doing something. But lately in New York State, and when I say lately, I'd say since the tragedy at the top supermarket in Buffalo – it's not a high priority issue. And remember, that wasn't that long ago before the teenager from Conklin drove his parents' car to the supermarket on a Saturday afternoon and, and went on a shooting spree. But it seems like an eternity. You don't hear New York elected officials talking much about that, about the, about the implications of what he did. I mean, it was yeah. talked about yeah. for for a few weeks or maybe a couple of months after it happened. You don't hear much talk about it now. Maybe some elected officials in western New York are talking about it. When's the last time Kathy Hochul announced a new initiative to try to address the issue? And by yeah. the way, speaking yeah. of which, not to not to make people angry, where are all the reports that the state by now should have compiled investigations into how the division of state police 
and law enforcement authorities here in Broome County, including the DA's office, how everybody handled some of the initial things involving this person when he was still a student at Susquehanna Valley High School. I mean, I think there should be at yeah. least a 200-page report that closely or th- that um, examines every aspect because, in my opinion, something something should have risen to the level where where he would not have been allowed to go to Nanakoke Avenue in the Union District of Endicott to buy his weapon of destruction. I, Bob, we've talked about this right. before. But, I agree. But again, am you I the only one who remembers? It. You know, everybody yeah. else seems to like, yep. well, lo-dee-do, you know, life goes uh-huh. on at Susquehanna Valley High School. Everything is back to normal in Conklin. You know, the people are getting on with things in in uh, the neighborhood in Buffalo where all those innocent people were killed on a Saturday afternoon while they were grocery shopping. And, you know, the, the gun yeah. store continues to sell weapons like that. And, and well, again, how is the, you know, the, I, I guess, I guess you could say, how is the guy who sells the gun supposed to know that the... 17, well, it wasn't 17-year-old, I guess 18-year-old person who buys the gun. How is he supposed to know that he's going to take his parents' car and drive out to western New York to kill people? How would you know? Yeah. Yeah. But again, absolutely. you know, it seems like, wasn't that just February of last year, or May of last year? Yeah, I think it was. So, well, you know, Bob, let, like, let's uh, do the math. Let's see. I'm not good at math, but we'll say... <laughs> So it's been somewhat less than eighteen months. I don't. I don't hear Governor Hochul talking about it. No. I don't hear Michael Korchak no. talking about it. I don't hear Fred Akshar talking about it. I don't hear any of our local officials, elected officials, law enforcement officials, school district officials, uh, people in the lucrative gun industry. They don't talk about it. It's business as usual. Yeah. Um. I was listening to uh, real. I'll do this real quick. I was listening to a uh, um, some of the people out there in Maine, and uh, you know, like I said, a lot of hunters, a lot of gun owners out there. And he goes, you know, we we read about these things, we hear about them, but I'll tell you. And he was shook. He goes, until it happens there, until it happens in your hometown, he goes, it's 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 surreal. It's like you're in shock. And I think that's. Some of it, like I've said before, I said I, sometimes I wonder if we escaped a big mess, you know what, going on down here with this kid of what happened before. Hey. It's crossed my <laughs> I, mind. I think, yeah. It's crossed my mind. I mean, yep. and I don't even want to go further because that's, yep. you know, but, but again, just seems to me it's been for the vast majority of elected officials and law enforcement officials in New York State, seems that that's been forgotten. And for the life of me, I don't understand. Well, yeah, I understand why. Because a lot has happened since May of 2022. A lot has happened in Broome County, in New York State, across the country and around the world. So there's only so much that humans can handle at once. So I guess that's why. Until the next time. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and WNBF.com. This is Binghamton Now.
From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF. This is Bob Joseph. Harry and Coventry, you're on the air. Uh, Harry gave up. He did confide in me that uh, he lives in Coventry. And I said, oh, beautiful Shenango County. And then he said, yeah, just barely. I'm, And I'm paraphrasing. He said something to the effect, yeah, I, I don't want to ever live in Broome County again. <laughs> so... I'm not sure what he wanted to talk about, but uh, clearly, Harry from Coventry was uh, pleased that he left Broome County. And I was looking forward to try to find out why. Why would you leave Broome County? Why would you leave Broome or Tioga counties? They are the best. But he's in Coventry in Shenango County, and apparently... Uh, pleased that he's made the choice. So, but he was unable to make it on the air. So, not sure what he was going to discuss. Didn't we didn't get that far? What else is going on here in the wide world of wackiness? Um, well, America's first family of fun. <laughs> I didn't say they're grifters. Some people call them grifters, and I, I don't know. I, I know they're in some legal hot water. America's first family of fun is uh, back in the news, or still in the news. They'll never apparently leave the news. They uh, are testifying in court. It says the uh, transformed family will take center stage in a New York courtroom. So the first family of fun. I'm unaware of any prominent political family in America that has amassed as many indictments as this family. But uh, anyway, says uh, the former first daughter is no longer involved in the operation. The sons... Sons 1 and 2 are defending former guy's business and political legacy. So let me glean the latest story. This is from the Washington Post, um, put online last night. And we'll try to keep the actual name off the air as much as possible. The former guy had been a pariah on Wall Street for years when a banker in Deutsche Bank's private wealth department, started speaking with his daughter. 
After a number of meetings, the banker emailed a supervisor with an important update about the future of the family business. Again, this is from the Washington Post. I'm, for the moment, trying to avoid the names. The daughter will become a client for sure. She is the heir apparent of the empire, wrote the banker, according to an email that's part of a filing in the civil case against the former guy now underway in New York City. Grounded in its real estate empire, the family's future seemed clear at that point. But the guy's four-year presidency and the tumultuous period of investigations and criminal and civil litigation since he left office have reshaped much of the family's wealth, business, and dynamics with one another, according to the court filings. Uh, the former first daughter, what's considered by... The former guy's business partners to be the most likely of his kids to take over the organization has largely stepped away from the limelight of both business and politics. She and her husband, J.K., who both served as senior White House aides back in the day, now spend most of their time in Miami after purchasing a mansion on a private island. Well, J.K. lures Middle Eastern business or his investment front. Fun. These days, it's the former guy's second son, son number two, who is the executive VP of the organization. He's most involved in the family real estate business. Well, the eldest, number one, is said by campaign advisors to be more interested in politics. Anyway, the whole crew is now going to have to testify at the trial in New York City. So I understand. Let me see if I have this right. I believe son number one is supposed to testify today and son number two I think is going to testify tomorrow the former guy is scheduled to testify Monday and the former first daughter is scheduled to testify a week from today so as we say the first family of fun will be in the spotlight over the next week or so in that New York City courtroom and Lordy, I wish, I really wish that we had TV coverage, TV and radio coverage of the trial. But unfortunately, that's not permissible for some reasons. 2023 in New York State, and they will not allow electronic coverage of the trial of the century. So, forced to settle for uh, less than stellar sketches from the courtroom artists and nothing against courtroom artists it's it's a challenging job to be sure i gotta tell you some some of the sketches i'm seeing from this trial let's put it this way i'm not by the way i'm not saying i can do better i can't i admit i cannot do courtroom sketches if i could i'd be down there now sketching the proceedings. I admit I have no artistic skill when it comes to courtroom sketches, but some of these renderings of what's going on in the, the trial are um, they're not as good. I don't think courtroom artists today are as, as good as they used to be. It's 1141. This is Bob Joseph, live and local on News Radio WNBF.
24, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And staying connected with you via the free WNBF app. Let's take a look at uh, the email as it continues to flow in. And here we go. Do-do-do. Do-do-do. Is this the... <laughs> that family name I won't use at the moment. This is, by the way, Jesse from Owego. Is it that family or the Adams family going to court? Talk about a circus on steroids. So I say, they ought to put it on TV. Put it on TV, pay-per-view, charge $20 a day. I think I would watch it. I don't know. I would I would spend $20 to watch portions. I would spend I wouldn't spend $20 every day, but I would spend oh, I don't know, $20 for a couple of days. I don't want to see son number 2. <clears throat> Although I wish him the best in his future endeavors. Oh, uh, it's interesting. Okay. Oh, new business. Huh. Wait a second. It's a new business about a story that I covered weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I need to cover. Uh, we did the first story. Uh, could you do a story about this new business? Uh, they're going to have a ribbon cutting. Well, turns out I just did the story what was it? Three weeks ago. So, yes, thank you. Uh, we've done that. Uh, Great American smoke out. They want people to stop smoking. So, please, if you smoke, stop right now. Oh, here's a note from uh, Johan in Endicott. Hey, Bob, respectfully, I think you're giving Vic a hard time about the information he wants to share. And so it's information renewable. Energy still dominates energy subsidies in fiscal year 2022. Okay. I, I got his point that renewable energy in the most recent fiscal year dominated energy subsidies. I, I certainly got his point. But the point I made is looking back over the last century, the amount of federal subsidies for the oil industry and probably for coal. I don't know the full extent of federal subsidies for everything, but for the energy industry, for the agriculture industry, for so many industries, aviation. You could also say uh, basically for companies that do defense work. They're being subsidized. Uh, Elon Musk, he's got a, a company that uh, apparently is in bed now with NASA providing space vehicles, the SpaceX. I would say that's being subsidized, you know, billions of dollars in federal money. So you'd be hard-pressed to find any sector, any major sector of the U.S. economy that isn't receiving substantial amounts of um, subsidies from the federal government. As far as uh, renewable energy in the most recent year, is it getting more in terms of subsidies than the, uh, say, the oil industry or the coal industry? Yeah, because I think most people, not everybody, but most people believe that 
renewable energy is going to be the energy of the future. So after untold billions of dollars being used to subsidize non-renewable energy, now, as the nation prepares for a transition, of course, the emerging renewable energy field likely is going to get more. Not sure why the federal government or anybody else would want to spend a lot of time subsidizing non-renewable I mean, yes, we still, I admit, I'll be driving probably a gas vehicle for at least the next two years, so, as will most of our listeners. But I don't know going forward that it's in the best interest of the federal government to continue that level of support for the oil industry that's gone on in the past. But, so yes, thank you for, thank you for the additional information. It's 1149 at News Radio, WNBF, with Bob Joseph. News Radio 1154 WNBF. Joan in Binghamton, you're on the air. Oh, i got to make this a fast one. Uh, just happened uh, across uh, Tesla stock dropping 20% in the third quarter, and they attributed to lack of uh, interest as, as dropping in uh, for EVs, and they also referenced Ford, etc., that uh, EVs' uh, interest is dropping. The reason for that is the first adapters, the people who really were excited about EVs, have bought their EVs. They've bought their Teslas or they've bought some vehicles from Ford and GM and maybe from some of the other manufacturers. So the initial rush to electric vehicles has subsided. The other problem is that um, the prices still remain much higher compared to traditional gas combustion Vehicles. So until well, till the true. prices till the prices get closer to more traditional vehicles, uh, it's it's going to be a problem. So that's a key issue. But it's true, and this was predictable. It was predictable that uh, same with uh, new phones. After a uh, new iPhone gets released, all the people who need to have a new iPhone buy them, and then suddenly Apple has a glut of iPhones because. All the early adapters have gotten them, and the rest of us are happy with our old old phones. Well, that's right. Subsidies are high for the EVs, and, you know, they didn't have to pay people with horse and buggies uh, or, or, or force them by law to buy uh, a motorized uh, gasoline car. You know, they gave up their horse and buggies, you know, free will. They didn't have right. to be. Well, as, that's all the time we have for today. I appreciate your call. 
I'll be back tomorrow. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton.